Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Sharika Adams, a 24-year-old pregnant woman who was murdered in Charlotte, North Carolina in November 1999. On the night Sharika was shot, she was driving her car when someone pulled up and opened fire. Sharika managed to call 911 after being shot and she was rushed to the hospital. Her son was delivered via C-section, but sadly, a month later, Sharika died from her injuries. The person responsible for Sharika's murder is no mystery, but the senselessness of her murder still is. This is Sharika's story. The story of Sharika Adams may be familiar to some of you, especially those of you who consume a lot of true crime. There have been countless documentaries, articles, and even a movie about her murder, except her name is not what grabs all the attention. The stories about her death are usually named after her murderer. They even call it his story. But it's not his story. His story is that he's a murderer. It's Sharika's story. It's the story of a beautiful young woman who was seven months pregnant when she was shot to death. It's the story of a mother who never got to meet her child, a child who never got to meet his mother, and has lived his entire life suffering the consequences of what happened that night. So as I tell this story and you hear the details, remember, this story is about Sharika Adams and the life that was stolen from her and her son. Sharika Adams was born in Kings Mountain, North Carolina on June 30th, 1975. Her mother, Sandra, was 17 years old when she gave birth to her and Sandra's parents helped her raise Sharika while she finished high school. Despite her being a teenage mom, Sandra's parents wanted her to go to college so that she could create a life for her and her daughter. And so, with their support, Sandra left Sharika in Kings Mountain and moved to Charlotte, where she attended the University of North Carolina. But she would come home every weekend to see Sharika. After Sandra graduated, she brought her daughter to Charlotte with her, where she raised her as a single mother. 
Sharika was a beauty, and her mother made sure that she was strong and independent. She wanted her to be a leader, not a follower. And so she instilled that in her from a very early age. But Sharika was also a sweetheart. She was kind, compassionate. She was someone who always wanted to help other people. In an article done by TheRoot.com in 2015 about Sharika, her mother Sandra said that she was outgoing and friendly to everyone that she met. She attended West Charlotte High School, and after graduation, she went to Winston-Salem State University. While there, she majored in communications. But after three years, she decided to transfer to UNC Charlotte, the same school that her mom had attended years before. After transferring to UNC, a cousin of hers introduced her to real estate. Sharika's cousin had become very successful as a real estate agent and had encouraged her to become a realtor. And so she did. And it wasn't long before Sharika, with her bright smile and charisma, became a star as a realtor. She started working for a local realtor and became a member of their million-dollar sales club. She used her earnings to purchase a BMW and a Mitsubishi Coupe. But real estate wasn't the only thing that Sharika did. You can see from her photos that she was beautiful, and so she dibbled and dabbled in modeling. She modeled for some clothing ads and even appeared in House Party 3. She was young and full of life, and everything was going well for her. She would hang out with her friends and party in Charlotte like a typical 20-something, A lot of the parties that she attended would often have athletes from the Charlotte Hornets and the Carolina Panthers. Sharika rubbed elbows with some of the city's most wealthy and well-known athletes. By 1998, then 23, she was happy and a successful young woman, but fate would change her life in the summer of 1998. That summer, Sharika attended a pool party, and at that party she met a man named Ray Carruth. Ray was the newest member of the Carolina Panthers. He had just completed his rookie season. He was selected in the first round of the NFL draft by the Panthers after a successful college career. He also had a really successful rookie season and was on his way to becoming a rising star for the Panthers. According to reports, when Sharika met Ray, They were both seeing other people, but they started seeing each other sporadically throughout the summer. The relationship between the two appeared to be just casual. Ray said it was a sexual relationship. I mean, he was a young football player and was dating multiple women, so it's not hard to imagine that Ray was not invested in a relationship. But we also don't know what was said between him and Sharika when they were alone. And he has always maintained that they were not in a relationship. But in reporting done by Scott Fowler from the Charlotte Observer, apparently they were close enough that Ray went to Sharika's house to meet her father. Now, this goes against the whole narrative that Ray has tried to spin, that Sharika and he never spent any time together besides the few times that they had sex. I mean... Hours after he met her, he went with her to meet her father, who apparently lived near the pool party. But whatever their relationship was, 
by the end of that summer, the pair had lost touch with each other. Sharika briefly moved to Atlanta, where her half-brother was, but then returned back to Charlotte after a few months. Ray, however, didn't see the same success in his second year with the Panthers that he saw in his first. In the season opener of the 98-99 season, he broke his foot and was unable to play for the rest of the season. In November 1998, Sharika was still working in real estate, but had decided to take a job as an exotic dancer at a local club called the Diamond Club. When another Carolina Panther held a birthday party at the club, Ray attended, and Sharika saw Ray there, and they ended up rekindling their relationship. They left the club that night together and went to get something to eat before going back to Ray's home where they had sex. According to Ray, in that article by the Charlotte Observer, that was the first of five sexual encounters that the pair had. Now, Ray has always maintained that he and Sharika's relationship was a casual sexual relationship, that they weren't dating, and that Sharika understood that. But do you buy a cell phone for someone that you're just casually having sex with? According to Sandra, Sharika's mom, she was gifted a cell phone by Ray. Now, this is back in 99, and so everybody didn't have a cell phone as they do now. So that was a pretty big gift back then. And Sharika told Sandra that Ray gave it to her so that he could be able to contact her. And so despite Ray's assertion that Sharika was nothing more than a booty call, who he spent no time with other than the few times that they had sex, I mean, these claims were put into question by his own actions. Sharika would not be the first woman to believe that she had a future with a man who she did not. And Ray would not be the first man to sell a woman a bunch of dreams that he had no intention of making true. But by April 1999, however serious or not serious their relationship was, they were about to enter a brand new chapter because Sharika was pregnant. She was excited about the pregnancy, Being a mother was something that she had always wanted. She would tell her mom about how she wanted a big family, and finding out that she would be a mom was everything she ever wanted. But Ray did not feel the same. He already had one child from a previous relationship, but he didn't have any relationship with that child, but he was paying $3,000 a month in child support. So the idea of him having another child was not even remotely on the list for him. Ray went with Sharika to the doctor to confirm that she was, in fact, pregnant. He then asked Sharika to get an abortion, but she refused. That wasn't an option at all. He also asked her if she was sure that the baby was his. Sharika had been living a fast life as a realtor, model, and exotic dancer. But what she really wanted was a family. And according to her family and friends, she wanted to create that family with Ray. Sharika confided in a friend that she was disappointed that Ray reacted the way he did. She said that she really thought that he would be happy. But... Despite Ray's apprehension about her pregnancy, Sharika was going to have her baby anyway. 
She started buying things for the baby and preparing for his arrival. She played classical music for him and read him Bible stories. She was so excited. And if Ray didn't want to help her, then she would raise her child as a single mother. And, of course, her mom, Sandra, was going to help her. As Sharika prepared for the birth of her child, she and Ray's relationship became more and more tense. And Sharika had let go of her dream of having a family with Ray. She just wanted to be a good mom, even if she had to do it alone. But on November 15th, 1999, Sharika got a call from Ray asking her on a date. At that time, Sharika was 30 weeks pregnant, and after months of not really having much contact with Ray, she was looking forward to going out with him. Even if they weren't going to get married and have a family, they could at least be cordial so that they could have a healthy co-parenting relationship. The movie that they were going to go see was The Bone Collector. It was 9.45 p.m., and Sharika was going to meet Ray at his house, and then the two would drive to the movies from his home. When she arrived at Ray's house, he had a house full of people, and Sharika was caught off guard because she assumed that no one would be there since they were planning to go out. At around 9.15, Sharika called her mom to tell her that she was upset because she didn't understand why there were so many people at the house, and she was regretting her decision to come and questioning why she was even there. Sandra told Sharika that maybe she should just go home since she had to go to work in the morning anyway. Sandra told Sharika to tell Ray that she wasn't going to go to the movie. But Sandra said that she could hear Ray in the background telling Sharika that they were still going to the movies and that they were getting ready to leave. But Sandra would have no idea that her conversation with Sharika that night would be the last conversation that she would have before their entire world would come crashing down. On the evening of November 15th, 1999, Sharika Adams was seven months pregnant and made plans to go to the movies with the father of her unborn child. After months of fighting, Sharika thought that this night would be a turning point in their relationship. But before the night ended, her life would change forever. That evening, Sharika and Ray left his home and traveled to the movie theater located in South Charlotte. There, they met another player from the Panthers and his girlfriend. The movie ended around midnight, and after the movie, Ray told Sharika that he wanted to spend the night at her house. And so the pair drove back to his home so that she could retrieve her car before going back to her house. She and Ray left his home in their separate vehicles, heading to her house. At around 12.15 a.m., Sharika called her cousin, whom she shared her home with, and asked him to straighten up for her since Ray was coming back with her. Ray, driving his Ford Expedition, and Sharika, driving her black BMW, followed, heading towards her home. 
The road they took was a dark, single-lane, tree-lined road. No streetlights. As Sharika followed Ray, she had no idea that she was being followed by a gold maxima. Ray suddenly stopped his expedition, and so Sharika, behind him, also stopped. That's when the gold maxima came around to the driver's side of Sharika's BMW. The back window rolled down, and then the person sitting in the back seat of the car pulled a gun out and shot directly into the car, emptying the clip and striking Sharika four times. By the time the last two shots were fired, Ray had already driven away. The Maxima also fled with the shooter thinking that Sharika was dead. But she wasn't dead. Sharika, gravely wounded, drove from the street where she had been shot and made it to a residential neighborhood where her car ended up on the front lawn of one of the neighbors. Sharika was dying, and she was trying to get someone's attention. So she was honking her horn, hoping that someone would come out of their house. And then Sharika called 911. When the ambulance arrived, they found Sharika in her bullet-riddled BMW, bleeding. Sharika was rushed to the hospital where she underwent an emergency C-section. At 1.42 a.m., 80 minutes after she was shot, Sharika gave birth to her son, who she named Chancellor Lee Adams. The initial belief of the doctors was that Chancellor would not survive. Born 10 weeks premature and weighing 3 pounds 1 ounce, Chancellor had been deprived of oxygen for 10 minutes after his mother was shot, and as a result, he had severe brain damage. Sandra received the call that evening around 1 a.m. that her daughter had been shot. Shocked, Sandra made her way to the hospital, but was initially not allowed to see her daughter and grandson. She had already called Sharika's father, but... Once at the hospital, Sandra realized that she needed to call Ray because she assumed that he had no idea what happened. But Ray didn't answer Sandra's calls, nor did he return her messages. He did, however, eventually show up hours after Sandra had first called him. According to her, Ray arrived with a whole entourage of people, including another woman he was dating— Ray seemed completely unconcerned about the fact that someone had just tried to murder the mother of his child and his child. Sandra had a sinking feeling that Ray had something to do with what happened to her daughter. He hadn't even asked about his son or Sharika. After being confronted by Sandra about his nonchalant demeanor in the wake of this tragedy— Ray said that he did want to see Chancellor. And when Sandra asked him if he wanted to stick his finger in to touch his son in the incubator, he said no, and that he only wanted a picture of him. By this time, Sharika had lost consciousness during her C-section, but 
By the following morning, she had begun to regain consciousness. The bullets that entered Sharika's body had caused severe damage. She had holes in her small and large intestines, her stomach and her liver. She also had damage to her spleen and pancreas. Sharika had lost so much blood, six liters, half of what the human body even holds. But despite the severity of her injuries, doctors expected Sharika to survive. On November 16, 1999, hours after Sharika was shot, police began their investigation into her shooting. Detectives came to the hospital so that they could speak to Sharika and Ray. At that time, Sharika had a tube down her throat and was unable to speak, but she was able to write down her answers to the questions that the detectives had. On one note, she wrote the details of that night, saying, quote, he, referring to Ray, was driving in front of me and stopped in the road, and a car pulled up beside me, and he blocked the front and never came back. When her mom asked her if she thought that Ray was involved, she simply wrote a question mark. Sharika was going in and out of consciousness due to the heavy pain medication that she was taking, and so eventually the doctor stopped the interview so that Sharika could rest. Detectives planned to come back within the next few days to speak to Sharika again, but they never got that chance. After falling asleep that day, Sharika slipped into a coma, and she never regained consciousness. But while at the hospital, they also spoke to Ray, who was in the lobby, and the police questioned him, but he denied being involved in the shooting. According to detectives, however, they immediately thought that Ray was lying. They asked if they could search his vehicle, and he agreed, but there was no physical evidence inside the white expedition that Ray was driving that night. Police had asked Ray to come down to the station so that they could ask him a few more questions. But instead, Ray hired a high-powered, well-known defense attorney. And so any chance to interview Ray was over. The police had both the 911 call and the handwritten note from Sharika implicating Ray. But they had no physical evidence. And now Ray had lawyered up. Police had impounded Ray's car. And so when police called him to pick it up, they knew that it might be a chance for them to speak to him again. The detectives also had pulled Ray's cell phone records. And so once he arrived at the station, the detectives on the case convinced him to stay and go over the cell phone records with the detectives. Ray goes through the records with the investigators and is able to identify most of the numbers in the records. But detectives noticed that there was one particular number that Ray kept purposely skipping over, and that raised red flags for the detectives. They knew that there must be a reason why he kept skipping over that number. And when they looked up the number, 
they find that it's the number to a motel, but no room was associated with the number. So as detectives continue to look over the records, they see that on the night of the murder, Ray had made several calls to a Michael Kennedy. And so they contact Michael Kennedy, and he agrees to voluntarily come into the station and talk to the detectives. When Michael Kennedy comes into the station, it's not long before he tells detectives everything. Kennedy had met Ray at a car wash a few years ago, and they had become friends. Now, Kennedy was a local drug dealer, and according to him, despite having a successful football career, Ray was a wannabe bad guy. He said on the night that Sharika was shot, he got a call from Ray asking him if he had access to a hoopty, or what we call here in Philly, a squatter. Now, Kennedy tells him that he had a Maxima that he was renting. Kennedy and a friend of his then drove to Ray's home. Ray came outside and told Kennedy that he needed him to help him kill Sharika. He needed him to drive while the man he hired to shoot Sharika rode in the back seat. Now, that man was later identified as Van Brett Watkin. Watkins arrived a little while after Kennedy, and that's when the rest of the plan went into play. Watkins was supposed to be the trigger man, but he didn't have a gun. Now, Kennedy is a drug dealer, and so he knew exactly where to get a gun. And so Ray gave him $100 for the purchase. And while Ray took Sharika to the movies, Kennedy went and purchased the gun that would be used to kill her. Now, once police got this confession from Kennedy, they needed to track down the shooter. Eventually, police were able to track down Watkins and arrest him. And he initially gave police a fake name, but they soon found out his real name. Initially, Watkins denied any involvement in the shooting of Sharika. But after seven hours of questioning and listening to Kennedy accuse him of being the shooter, Watkins confessed. Watkins told police that he met Ray when he was working security and how Ray asked him at first if he could beat Sharika up so that she would lose the baby, and that was in June of 1999. But Watkins told Ray that he didn't beat up girls. He killed people. He said Ray then offered him $3,000 to kill Sharika and their unborn son. Watkins revealed that the shooting on November 15th was one of multiple attempts to kill Sharika. Watkins said that he started stalking Sharika. He found out where she lived, her routine. He watched her for months, but never found the right opportunity. He also said that a part of him felt uneasy about murdering a pregnant woman. But Ray was insistent. He wanted her dead. He would talk to Watkins in code, 
often referring to the baby as a dog. With the confessions of both the trigger man and the getaway driver, police had enough information to arrest Ray. And so Ray was arrested, and his bail was set at $3 million, which he posted eight days later. But one of the conditions of his release was that if Sharika or Chandler died, Ray would have to turn himself in. He was also barred from leaving the county. While the detectives investigated Sharika's shooting and arrested the men involved, her condition was getting worse and worse. She had been in a coma for a few weeks, but she was unrecognizable. She was only five foot four and 120 pounds when she was shot, but fluid in her body had caused it to swell to 286 pounds. Doctors tried everything, but nothing was helping Sharika. And so, after 27 days in a coma, Sharika's mom made the tough decision to take her off of life support. And at 12.43 p.m., Sharika Adams died. Before she passed away, they brought Chancellor in the room one last time. They wrapped him up and placed him on her chest. Sandra said that Sharika's heart monitor started going up and down as soon as they laid Chancellor on her chest. And so they took her hand and placed it on Chandler, and a single tear fell from Sharika's eye. After news came about Sharika's death, instead of turning himself in, Ray disappeared. But after the woman who helped him flee felt guilty, the FBI caught up to Ray, and he was arrested 500 miles away in Tennessee. Ray was extradited back to North Carolina, where he was charged with the first-degree murder of Sharika Adams. By the time Ray Carruth got back to North Carolina, he had been cut by the Panthers. Ray went on trial for Sharika's murder, but he tried to deny that this was a murder-for-hire plot. And his lawyers argued that this was a drug dispute gone wrong. But both co-defendants testified against him, and so did several women, including one who said that he had threatened her to have an abortion after she became pregnant. And out of fear, she did it. In January 2001, Ray was found guilty, but not of first-degree murder. He was found guilty of discharging a firearm into an occupied property, of conspiracy to commit murder, and of using an instrument with intent to destroy an unborn child. Ray was sentenced to a period of no less than 18 years and 11 months, and no more than 24 years and 4 months in prison. Kennedy received 11 years and was released in 2011. And Watkins received the longest sentence and would not be scheduled for release until 2046. After serving his 18-year sentence, 
Ray Carruth was released from prison in 2018. The child that he tried to murder, Chancellor, was diagnosed with cerebral palsy due to the brain damage that he received when he was deprived of oxygen. But Chancellor, despite all the odds stacked against him, has thrived. Sandra raised Chancellor, and in 2021, he graduated from high school. All Sharika Adams wanted to do was be a mom. And because Ray Carruth didn't want to pay child support or take on the responsibility of a child, he murdered her and tried to murder his son. Even with all the unanswered questions, the reason why Sharika was murdered will never make sense. It was so unnecessary. Ray Cruz stood to make millions in his NFL career, and he threw it all away because he didn't want to sacrifice a few thousand dollars to support the child that he helped create. He ruined his life, and for what? To end up with nothing? Sharika Adams was a beautiful young woman who suffered so much for so little. May Sharika Adams rest in peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.